Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome back to our flip-flop series where we're flipping through the book of Isaiah for the summer and, uh, and wearing flip-flops. And I must admit this morning, my feet are a little chilly in this air conditioning, and I might be back to socks next week. I don't know if I can hack it or not. Uh, Gail and I were in uh, a local big box store this week, and the sales associate told us that this was, it was a really good time to buy because they were having a Boxing Week sale. In July. And uh, we're going to one-up that today because uh, we're going to have Christmas in July. Today's text uh, in the book of Isaiah is from Isaiah chapter 9 where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 700 years or so before Jesus was born, Isaiah was handing out invitations to Jesus' baby shower. Telling everybody, it's a boy, it's a boy. It's, it, he's not coming for 700 years, but it's, but it's a boy. Uh, You know, talk about putting the whole world on baby watch, right? Like the royals, the British royalty don't have anything on this. People were watching Kate Middleton, watching, waiting for her to have a baby, like five minutes after she and Prince William met, right? I mean, the whole world went nuts waiting for this baby to be born. The whole world practically stood still uh, waiting for Prince George to be born. And Isaiah tops that by a long shot and tells the people that God has a son. And God is sending his son in the form of a baby into this messed up world to offer people like us grace and hope uh, to anyone who would, who would believe. So let's read Isaiah's baby announcement. It's from Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read the first seven verses. Here we go. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I got to do something last Saturday that I've always wanted to do. Never had the the, the right opportunity. It never worked out. Everything didn't uh, come together. But last Saturday I got to do this. Willie Brownlee and I, Willie, who just prayed here a few minutes ago, Willie is the, the uh, principal of the, our Christian school here, the Moncton Christian Academy. And, uh, and anyhow, Willie and I, last Saturday, took a couple of afternoons, a couple of afternoons, woo, a couple of hours in the afternoon, one afternoon, and we went and walked around the Atlantic Nationals. Any gearheads here? Any, any? None. Anybody else go see the cars at all? Anyone? Like, Ten of you, not very many. Okay, maybe maybe thirty or forty. All right, you're coming out of the crowd slowly. Like I don't admit it until somebody else raises their hand. All right, 
And uh, it was a hoot. It was a lot of fun walking around down there. I've been in a, a midlife crisis since I was nine years old. You need to know this about me. I've been in a midlife crisis since I was nine years old. And, and I, I really love cars. I like looking at cars. I like talking about cars. I like driving cars. I don't like paying for cars. I, I don't like fixing cars. Uh, someday I will have, I'm saying it again, someday, you know, I just keep saying this. I keep getting older. It never happens. But someday I will have a fun little car to bomb around in. And uh, when you see it out in front of the church, you'll know that somebody either finally gave me a car or I found something, you know, dirt cheap. I even have, I actually have the license plate uh, from another vehicle we had registered years ago. The license plate says PT. That's for Pastor Tim, in case you're wondering. PT for Pastor Tim. So when you see PT going by you or you see PT getting a speeding ticket, you'll be able to say, there's my hooligan pastor. There he is right there. So anyhow, Willie and I were walking down the hill in Centennial and the host of the, the, the show, uh, American Restoration, off the History Channel, the host of the show, Rick Dale, went right by us on a golf cart and he didn't even recognize us. Did you notice that? He wasn't like, there's Tim and Willie. He just, he just drove right by us. If you've ever seen shows like American Pickers, uh, Counts Customs, American Restoration, Canadian Saltwater, Rust Bucket, I made that one up. It's amazing what these guys can restore. And, and they'll show up to some, somebody's backyard or some pit somewhere and they will pay good money for something that looks, it looks like it's one sneeze away from being dust, right? It, it's so f- fragile, like don't, you know, if you move it the wrong way, the whole thing's just going just gonna to crumble. They'll pay good money for this. And by the end of the show, they've restored it back to its original condition or they've, they've, they've turned it into some modern, beautiful work of art. And Isaiah gives us a, a picture a vision of the kind of masterful restoration that God can do in our lives if we would simply trust Him. No situation is beyond hope with God. No relationship has rusted beyond the point of restoration with God. Let me repeat that one. No relationship has rusted beyond the point of restoration with God. You can't out the grace of God. You can't outrun the reach of God. It's never too late. It's never too far or too hard. And Isaiah has a message for his people, and God has a message for us here this morning. You see, losing hope is always your choice. It's never God's plan. Because there's always hope. So losing hope, that's your choice. That is not God's plan for your life. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, where he says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Isaiah begins his chapter with a word of hope. And if you need, if you need, if you're here this morning, you're thinking, I, man, I just need to hear a word of hope. I need to hear some, some good news. Go ahead and raise your hand. Wave at me if you need to hear a word of hope this morning. Here it is, here it is. The time of darkness, right there in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. The time of darkness and despair will not 
go on forever. Say it out loud with me. The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And I don't think this is referring to your favorite sports team. Or to the people who are left in the dark by by Hurricane Arthur, wondering when will we get our, our power back and the, the time of darkness is going on forever. I'm not sure, I don't think that's what he means. And Isaiah, he, he's not, he's not d- dismissing their current situation. He's not making light of their current situation or minimizing what, what, what they're going through. In fact, he's acknowledging it. And he's saying, hey, I get it. I understand. I hear you. What you're, what you're going through is hard. What you're going through probably feels like, like, like you're surrounded by darkness. What you're going through, it probably feels like a time of despair. He acknowledges it, that things are pretty hard. Things might not look too good right now. Maybe the, the prognosis or the, the diagnosis looks like darkness and despair. Maybe the last few months or few years have been rocky for your health or for your finances or for your marriage or for your job or for your, your parenting. And Isaiah, is just, he's just opening up the windows and turning on the lights. And he's reminding us that all things are possible with God. Everything. Life, life is never hopeless with God. There is always reason to, to keep going, to keep believing, to keep trusting, to keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't concede or despair because God sees your situation. And what you are going through, you need to go through. Don't stop there. Whatever you're going through, go through. Just keep on going because it will not go on forever. He says in verse 2 that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And I, I was studying this this week and watching the news at the same time. And thinking, oh God, like how, how deep is the darkness in our world? How messed up is this world? How dark is this world? And Isaiah says a light will shine. And we know on this side of the prophecy that the light that Isaiah was talking about has a name. His name is Jesus. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they refer to Jesus as the light of the world. In John chapter 8, Jesus tells us that he is, he's the revelation of Isaiah's prophecy. The things that Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus was even born. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus said, he is the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Well, let's just talk about the, the darkness for a moment. I don't, want, I don't want to dwell on the darkness, but let's unpack it here for a moment. Let's shed, shed a little light on the darkness. Darkness means a lot of different things in Scripture. I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I don't like it when I'm in the dark on something. You know what I mean? You know, you, you know what it feels like when you just... You just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in the dark and you don't have the right information or enough information or something is hazy, fuzzy. Uh, you feel a little clueless. Happens to me a lot. Uh, don't like it. 
always feels better when someone sheds light on something for you, when they, when they clue you in, bring you up to speed, and the lights go on. But let me, let me tell you about darkness. You entered this world preloaded with spiritual darkness. Now, maybe that's not what you wanted to hear. <laughs> You're like, okay, when does the hope come? Right? Uh, I'm here for the hope. When, okay, the hope's coming, but let me just, we, we got to start where we're at here. You entered this world preloaded with spiritual darkness. You, let me illustrate it this way. You thought your kids were perfect when they were born for about three months. Maybe six months. And then they started acting like your spouse. And you're like, what is this? Like, you know, why are they acting like you? Like, where, where is this coming from? Let me, let me tell you where that, where that comes from. It comes right out of the Garden of Eden. It comes from our decision to go our own way, to do our own thing. We're smarter than God. Thank you very much. That's where it comes from. Most of the, most of the men in this room, myself included, have had someone... At least one time in their life, someone has told them, I think you were born lost. And the answer is, yes, that's true. We were all, actually, we were all born spiritually lost. And the whole point of your life, the whole point of your life is not what, what will be my career or who will I marry or where will I live or what kind of a car will I drive? The whole point of your life is who will I serve? That's the big one. Who will I serve? And until the lights go on, however you want to say it, the, 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 you know, the, that window gets opened, or what, however you want to say this, until the lights go on and you see Jesus for who he really is, until that happens, you've not dealt with the spiritual darkness within. Another definition of the, the word that Isaiah used for darkness is, is it's not a great word, but here it is anyhow. It's the word gloom. Something heavy. Just a, just a heaviness that, that, that weighs on you. Maybe a, a, a time in your life or a season in your life or a situation in your life that just doesn't make sense. And, and when it feels like the, the clouds of life are surrounding you, the pressure and the stress and, and maybe even feelings of, of despair are just, are just weighing on you to, to the point that, that you're really, you're struggling to see any light at all. And that's the, the kind of darkness that, that Isaiah illustrates. Now let me just uh, pause here for a second and we'll, we'll get back to where, where we were going. Let me just pause here for a second. Your being here right now this morning, okay? Mountain Western Church, Sunday morning. Your being here right now this morning and hearing this message is God's way of shining a light into your life, your darkness, your gloom, your despair, whatever, whatever, whatever that is. Like, you're... This, that's your opportunity. This is not coincidence. You're here this morning for a reason. God has a word for you. God has a message. For, and, he, and he's got you right now. Where if, you, if, you'll, if you'll not pull, pull the, 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 the blinds. You know, I always talk about people stacking bricks sometimes. When they start hearing this stuff, like, oh, no, here we go. 
If you'll not stack bricks on me this morning, if you'll keep your heart open, God will, will shine light into your life. Or if you've been spiritually searching for answers and you're kind of wondering, why, why, is this, why am I here? How does this all make sense? Who is Jesus anyhow? If you're wondering what this is all about, God is, is boom, beaming a spotlight right into your soul today. And, and you, can, you can allow that light to come in. You can invite that light to come in. Or if you prefer the darkness and, and, the, and the despair, then you can just shut it off. But you cannot deny that, that God gave you an opportunity here this morning to, to see his light. Okay, back to the message. Isaiah uses a lot of, a lot of imagery uh, throughout the whole book, actually. But this chapter is no exception to that. And he says that Jesus will free us from slavery. And he uses a picture of a, of a yoke, you know, the, the wooden yoke that goes over, uh, you know, a couple of oxes as they're working the field and plowing together. And the, t- and the yoke keeps the two together. He uses that picture of us being, being bound to our sin or, or tied to something negative. And, and Isaiah is saying that, that, that Jesus wants to set us free from that. He says that Jesus can, can lift that heavy burden from our shoulders. Now, jump ahead to the Christmas in July verses, verse 6. This is, where, this is where the hope starts to come. Verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. The weight will be on his shoulders, not on your shoulders. You do not need to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. God wants to lift that load this morning. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, hold that thought, and let me read to you this morning from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. See, he's the the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy for 700 years. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Maybe you needed to hear that this morning. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Okay? So Isaiah says, it's not that we're, we're not going to be yoked. Isaiah is saying, Pair up with Jesus. Team up with with Jesus. Allow Jesus to come alongside you. Do life with him. Because you can plow through life a whole lot better when when you are tied up with Jesus than you can on your own. Take my yoke upon you. Let Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Verse 30. Matthew chapter 11. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Bam! There it is. If you needed a word of hope this morning, there's the word. I'll give you the word. The word is Jesus. There is no darkness too dark. There is no despair that is too deep. That the light of Jesus cannot cannot penetrate through that darkness, and saturate it, and redeem it, and change it for his glory. So I'm encouraging us this morning, gang, don't give up. Don't give in. Uh, Keep, if you are breathing, God's not finished with you yet. 
keep going. Keep walking. Keep following Jesus. When he's done with you, he'll take you home. And until then, there is always hope. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to I speak into something specific here this morning. And it's, and it's, it's not necessarily because I see this, this topic jumping out of this text. It's more like this topic is, is jumping out of my, my heart. And uh, I want to I I just talk about this. I think we need to talk about this for a second. Not a second, for a few minutes. And uh, fully believe that... Uh, that God has laid this on my heart, and there are people here this morning that need to hear this. And uh, I'm believing that uh, God is going to do miracles in people's lives this morning. Are you expecting? I wish I was Leonard Anderson so I could preach that the way it's supposed to be preached, and I'd be wiping my head and, and all that. Turn to someone and say, I'm expecting. No, come on, like you mean it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm expecting something. There we go. Okay, that's better. That's better. All right. I am your pastor, and I love you, and it just drives me nuts when Christians leave areas of their lives open for the enemy to just come in and steal whatever he wants, whatever doesn't belong to him. And it drives me nuts when believers do this, okay? Um, Last Sunday afternoon, uh, I mentioned Beulah Camp last week, an area district campground for the Wesleyan Church. Went down there after, after church here, went down and did more baptisms in the St. John River. And then we had the closing service in the afternoon. And we were casting vision for the future of the district. By the way, we're gonna, our district is going to be planting three new churches in Newfoundland in the next five years. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, we're going to revitalize uh, a church in Bangor. And uh, A.J. Thomas, who's been pastoring Deepwater Church in Halifax, he's going to Bangor. And A.J. was talking about how he's moving to Bangor this summer to pastor the church there. And he was commenting on how the state of Maine is the least churched, least religious, least Jesus-following state in, in the whole country. Maine. Okay? And A.J., this is what A.J. said. I'm quoting him now. He said, we're fixing to walk into Satan's living room and steal his TV off the wall while he's watching it. <laughs> and I just, that's a good image. Like, we're not, we're not taking this anymore, you know. And I, I, just, I just love the, the imagery of that, of us taking back what belongs to God. And I don't like it when we just sit back and watch the enemy destroy what belongs to God. And I feel like, hey, 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 if I believe what I believe, I'm not, I'm not taking that. Get out of here, you know? Kick Satan in the teeth. And, and, and so I'm going to address something here. I'm getting there. Hang on. My name's Tim, and I'm your pastor. And I am not prepared to just sit by and watch the enemy destroy marriages in this church. In fact, I'm pretty disgusted with it. Now, you, some of you like just pull the blinds right now. You're like, whoop, <laughs> wake me when it's over. Or you're stacking bricks. Don't want to go there. La, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Okay. 
As soon as I start saying this, people will choose darkness because accepting the light, for, for you to accept the light that God wants to shine into your marriage right now, for you to accept the light that he wants to bring into that darkness, into that despair this morning, it means a lot of things. It, it means, for one, you're going to have to admit that this marriage is almost toast. For two, you might have to take the hand of your partner and say, Honey, let's go down front and pray after, after church. Let's do whatever it takes. You might have to humble yourselves. You might have to get counseling. Uh, th- those things are not easy. You might have to ask friends to, to pray over you. You, you. you might just have to tell people, Look, we're, this is a mess. We're in trouble. That's not easy. That's not easy. Neither is divorce. You might need to communicate like you've never communicated before. You might have to admit that you've been wrong. You might have to accept the other person's wrongs. You're not perfect and neither am I. You might need to show grace and mercy and forgiveness to another imperfect human being. You might need to ask for grace and mercy and forgiveness from another imperfect human being. If a darkness and despair has been hanging over your marriage, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, don't let the darkness win. Don't let the darkness win. Why do believers let the darkness win? Let me ask you this. Is anything... Is anything impossible for God? Is anything beyond repair for God? If they can pull a rusty old frame of a car, the remnant of of like a junk heap, if they can pull something like that out of a pit and turn it into a work of art, can't God reach into your marriage right now? And pull it, pull it out from, from, from the wreckage, tow it out of the junkyard, and rebuild it into something beautiful? I think he can. The thing I hear about marriages all the time, and, and it just makes me want to scream. And I'm a, I'm a pretty laid back guy, but this, this boils me. Is people, this is this one of the things we hear all the time. It's gone too far. It's gone too far. There's nothing we can do. It's hopeless. And we need, your families need, your communities need, your witness needs, this city needs, this church needs, some real men and some real women who will reach out for the eternal hope of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and ask him to do something supernatural, do a miracle, turn around the impossible, bring this marriage back from the brink, make our marriage a testimony. Make us a testimony for the whole world to see that it's never too late. God can heal. God can restore. God can rebuild any situation. It's gone too far. 
That's another one we hear. We hear pastors, we hear it all the time. It's gone too far. It's gone too far. It's just another way of saying, I've given up. I could give God a chance, but I'm not going to. Pulling the blind. I'm more interested in my selfishness than God's sovereignty. And the parents walk, and the children suffer, and the vows are broken, and the enemy wins, and God loses. And that is not how it's meant to be. God has a better plan for your life. If you give up hope, it's your choice. But it's not God's plan for your life, for your marriage. Another thing people say is, uh, well, it's just not that simple. Like, like, you know, it's just not, well, nothing's simple. I get it. Grace. It's called grace, really. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. All you can do is accept God's grace. Grace is a free offer, but it's not cheap. This baby that Isaiah was talking about was born to be the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. And what makes Jesus the light? What makes him the light that can break through any darkness is the fact that Jesus Christ took our sin, my sin, your sin. He took our darkness on himself, our despair. He took it all, the sin the weight of the world on his shoulders and he took it to his cross and he was crucified for us. And it's, and it's even better than that. Not only was he crucified for us, but he was resurrected. He was raised back to life to prove to us that he has the power to resurrect anything in our lives. <clears throat> you see... Jesus is the world's greatest, all-time greatest, the world's greatest restoration project. Nothing has been ruined more than the body of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, beaten and torn apart for you and for me. And then God took his beaten, whipped, broken, empty body and breathed life back into Jesus so that one day you'd be sitting at Moncton Wesleyan Church and you'd be tired of the darkness in your life. And you'd be sick of despair. And you would invite Jesus Christ to breathe new life back into you. To resurrect whatever's been broken, whatever's been ruined, back into your life, your marriage, your health, your relationships, your finances, your spiritual condition, your greatest area of need. And Jesus always keeps his promises. Now... Why, why do I believe this? Why am I so sure that God can turn anything around? Isaiah gave us a clue. He gave us a clue. It's in verse 7. It's the second part of verse 7. Where he says this, the passionate commitment. Those two words right there. Underline, underline, bold, bold, bold. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will. <laughs> he will. He will make this happen. God is passionate about you. And he is committed to you. He has a passionate commitment towards restoring the broken. Jesus is proof that God keeps his promises. The fact that you are even here, that you are hearing this message, is just one more way that God is trying to get you 
to open the blinds and to let his light pour into your life. Um, Excuse me, back in verse 1. Not going to go back and start over again. Don't don't worry. But back in verse 1. Uh, Isaiah said that the area around Galilee is, is being humbled, but God is going to fill it with glory. Right there, it's just, this other, just another one more picture of, of what God wants to do. He says, it's been humbled, but God's going to bring it back. He's going to fill it with glory. That might be a picture of your life right now. God humbles so he can honor. He's not out to destroy you. He wants to defend you. He wants to restore you, to build you up. He wants to turn our darkness into light, our chaos into peace, our loss into abundance, our despair into joy. He takes on the sin, the oppression, the despair, the tragedy of this world, and he wants to give us righteousness, freedom, hope, and fulfillment. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are here. You are are totally here. And, and you are shining your light into, into dark places, into our lives where we need it the most. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that uh, so many of us here this morning have this opportunity. And, and, and we have a choice to make. We either receive your light, invite your light, accept your light, allow it to go to the deepest places of our lives, or we pull the blinds. And God, I pray that you would help everyone who's here this morning to be open, open to to you, to your voice, to your truth. Uh, God, I pray, I pray specifically for, for marriages this morning, for those who have been talking in terms of gone too far, it's too late, there's no hope. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage this morning to kick Satan in the head and to tell them to get out of their lives. That they would allow you to turn that marriage into a beautiful restoration project that the rest of the world can look at for eternity and say, there's a miracle. That's what God can do. There's a testimony of what God can do when, when we simply invite the light your light into our lives. Um, God, I pray for others here this morning. There, there may be others here who, who uh, have never chosen to follow you. Uh, they've, they've never taken the step to really uh, believe that, that you're more than just some character from history. You're more than just a, 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 a religious figure. That you're real, you're alive, you're here, and you want to be the most important part of their lives. And so God, for those people who are, that's exactly where they're at this morning, I pray that your light, that they would, they would invite the light of your presence to come into their lives this morning. And so uh, be with us now as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.